Shalom Aleichem, we're exploring Lekut HaSichas, volume 16, Parshas Ba Yud Shvat. The Sikh is about the story that the Friedrich Rebbe told, that when his father, the Rebbe Hashab, was brought into Cheder as a young child, three years old. So the Zayda, the Tzemach Tzedek, threw candies at him and said that it's coming from Malach Machal, the angel Machal, the archangel of the Jewish people, is sending him candies. As explained elsewhere in the Sikhs, how, how that's true, in simple terms, he's doing it as a shliach of Malach Machal. The boy, the future Rebbe, did not want to eat these candies. It was precious to him. He got candies from Malach Machal, and he held on to them. Came out of Pesach, so the Tzemach Tzedek called the boy, and he asked him, and he told him he have to eat the candies. You cannot sell it to the guy. You cannot keep it on Pesach. You got to eat the candies before Pesach. I find it interesting that the Tzemach Tzedek was sure that the boy would keep the candies, and he obviously knew to call him. Very gishmak, a story of the Rabbeim. So the Rebbe asked a simple question, why did he have to make the boy eat the candies? He should have sold it to the Chametz. And this will allow the boy to have it after Pesach, and uh, it will inspire him. He's holding on to candies from Malach Machal, which remind him of going to Cheder and everything else. Why make him eat it? Sell it. This is the question of the Sicha. So let's bring it up on the screen. There's a little bit of a back and forth here. The first question that I've asked, why didn't he sell it in the Chametz? And there's going to be question two, why didn't he declare it ownerless, Hefker? There's such a concept in, in Halacha that I can declare something ownerless. I no longer own it. In fact, we do that with the Chametz. Uh, after we burn the Chametz, we make a declaration that any Chametz that's left over, it's Hefker. It's, it, it belongs to doesn't belong to me. I give it away. So why don't we just either sell it to the to the guy or declare it ownerless? Why did you make the boy eat it up? So on question one, the Rebbe says a proposed answer, why would he not sell it to the Chametz? Because selling won't help if you really want it. You can't sell the Chametz and really your plan is to buy it back. That doesn't work. So that may be the answer, proposed answer, why he didn't sell it. But the Rebbe has a whole discussion and says, I mean, we all know that we sell the Chametz, we're planning to buy it back. But there's a difference if I'm buying it back. It's called Haroma. Halacha says you're allowed to play this trick. I'm allowed to sell it to the guy, and I know afterwards I'm going to buy it back, and it's a guy that's a friend of mine. However, there's a difference if I'm going to buy it back, you know, that's my plan, or if I'm bent on buying it back. I actually, you know, I'm only selling it because I'm going to buy it back. So if I sell the guy my grocery store, my liquor store, my plan is to buy it back. But if the guy really wants it, let him pay the bill and keep it. Because in the head, I'll buy a new stash. Here, the boy is selling the candies with the intention only of having them survive Pesach. And this might be considered a problem. The language is haram nikeres. It's an obvious trickery. And this is his intention to begin with. And therefore, one might argue that the sale is invalid. And because in halacha and in poiskim and decisors and different opinions, it's brought down that the sale is really somewhat symbolic. And therefore, the sale works. Um, the sale works. But it will not work if the, if the person is... Absolutely intent on buying it back because uh, he's undoing, so to speak, the symbolic sale. 
Says the Rebbe, this is all good and fine according to those opinions that the sale is symbolic. However, the other opinions, which is the majority of the Poiskim, including the Alter Rebbe, and especially the Alter Rebbe, they hold that, no, this is called Mechira Gemura. It's an actual complete sale. We even have a guarantor involved. It's nothing symbolic at all. And there are a lot of different halachic ramifications, which are discussed in the footnotes, whether it's a symbolic or a complete sale. For example, according to those opinions that it's a symbolic sale, they would only allow the sale to function if it's rabbinic chametz, not actual chametz be'en. Only if it's rabbinic chametz mean it's chametz that's uh, that's mixed into another product or things like that. Also, those opinions who hold that it's only a symbolic sale. Again, there's a minority of halachic decisors who go by that opinion. That Those who hold it's only a symbolic sale will say that the uh, First, you have to nullify it and make it ownerless, hefker. You say the the, the the kol chamira, and then you sell it. So the sale is not really required, so to speak. It's extra, and it only applies to chametz, which really is anyway not yours. And it's only rabbinic chametz, etc. And according to those opinions, that it's such a type of sale, yeah, if you're selling it with the intention of buying it back, it's problematic. However, according to those majority opinions, and the Alter Rebbe included, and especially the Alter Rebbe, who adds on the layer of the guarantor, the art of Kablan, this is a perfect sale. It's an absolute sale. And it doesn't matter what you have in your mind. You can have in mind, you're going to buy it back. But when you sold it, you sold it. And this opinion, and this majority opinion of the halachic decisors of the postkim, including the Alter Rebbe, holds that you can sell chametz that's biblical chametz, not only chametz, that's rabbinic chametz. And not only you don't you don't sell the chametz that you have made ownerless. Uh, uh-uh, that's ownerless. You're selling the chametz that you own. So this is a whole different approach, and certainly that's the approach of the Al Rebbe that selling chametz is a real perfect sale. And therefore, why wouldn't they sell the chametz to the boy the candies? It's a real sale. So a back question one stands. Question two. By the way, the Rebbe brings in a footnote that uh, we have precedent in, in some of the tzaddikei poilin, the holy rabbi, rabbis of, 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 of other Hasidic groups, and it's brought down, he quotes from the book, Tamiham and Hagim, that they in fact had a custom in those circles to sell things that they got from the Rebbe, which they felt precious and holy, various shirayim left over from the table, etc., etc., and they didn't want to you know, lose it, so they would sell it. So it's not like uh, this is unheard of. You're talking about serious Hasidic courts uh, and serious tzaddikim, and the custom was to sell it. Why didn't we? Why didn't the tzavach tzaddik instruct the boy to sell the candies? Question two, again, especially in line with Alter Rebbe's opinion that mechidas chametz is mechido gemura, that selling the chametz is a legal, total legal sale. Question two is another way to do it is declared ownerless. Just like we do by the Kol Hamida. We say, It is ownerless. It's like dust. You should have told the boy, I want you to declare it ownerless and goodbye. It's not yours. And later, after Pesach, oops, it's here. I take it back. I have a right to declare something ownerless and then take it back. You know, I have a young son. We walked to shul on Shabbos and it happened once or twice when the, he discovered that he's carrying something. So what do you do? You, you shake it out of your pocket. At Shabbos, 
But what do you do after Shabbos? You go back and look for it. There's nothing wrong with that. Just borrowing the concept. So I could declare it ownerless, and it's not mine. And after Pesach, if it's there, he declares it, it's his. And that should solve the problem. Proposed answer, says the Rebbe, that there is a law, Takonas Chachamim, a declaration of the sages which precludes a person from declaring his chametz ownerless if he keeps it in his home. According to the strict letter of biblical law, I don't have to clean my house with Pesach. I don't have to sell the chametz. I don't have to clean the house. I don't have to burn. I don't have to check. I could just decide that I am declaring everything ownerless and it's not mine. Goodbye, good luck. It's over. However, the sages did not accept that, and they said, no, you have to clean out the house, and you have to get rid of it, and you have to burn it. Why so? Because, two reasons. If I leave all the chametz in my pantry, and I just declare it ownerless, there's two problems with that. First of all, it may not be wholehearted. Declaration of ownerless is in the heart. We don't know if it's 100%. Did I really declare it ownerless? Did I almost declare it ownerless? Was I just playing the game? It's a heart matter, and therefore it's hard to gauge how true it is. And the second thing is, being that a person is so used to eating the chametz that he comes across in his pantry, in his home, God forbid it might happen. And for these two reasons, the Chachamim said, declaration of ownerlessness is not sufficient. So what are you saying? That the Tzadok should have told the boy just to clear it ownerless. It's not sufficient, according to the, 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 the inaction, enactment of the sages. So the Rebbe says, yeah, but that's only if you keep that chometz in your house. But if you put it in a public space and you declare it ownerless, you solve both issues. If you remove it from your home, you put it in a public place, you solve the two issues. What were the two issues? The sages were afraid that you didn't mean it with your whole heart and you might accidentally come across it and use it by habit. If it's not in your home, you're not going to come across it. And then it doesn't matter so much whether you're wholehearted or not. It's not there. And this here, the Rebbe goes back and forth. Although, you might say, so according to this, but, the Tzemach Tzedek should have taken that route. Make it ownerless. If it's removed from the house, it does not have the issue of the enactment of our saviors, because it doesn't have these two problems. Then you're going to say that there's another concept that premeditated ownerlessness does not work. There's another concept in halach that if somebody declares the chametz ownerless, hefker, with the plan of bringing it back after Pesach, it doesn't work. That's the Jewish law. It's halach of the chachamim. And therefore, not only that, uh, not only that, no yid is allowed to take benefit after Pesach. If a Jew kept Chomets and he and he just declared it ownerless with the plan to bring it back, that's a problem. So if that's the case, so what do you mean? This is premeditated. So the Rebbe says that that's also not a problem here because the reason for that enactment is because the Chacham didn't want, you see, if you're allowed to take something and put it in a public place and declare it ownerless and then take it back after Pesach, every year it's going to do that. It's going to become one big game. And then the whole ownerless declaration is suspect. So the sages were afraid that this is going to be become the habit of the Jewish people and it's going to be problematic. And the whole thing is going to be only a trick. And therefore, they said, no, you can't do that. 
if I declared it ownerless, even if I removed it from my property after the fact, maybe I didn't transgress, but I'm allowed to use it. Says the Rebbe, but in this case, there's another two issues here that, uh, that, that give this case, this candies an edge that they should be allowed to use that process. Hey, it's not actual chametz, it's a candy. The chametz is mixed in. We don't know if it's if it's nullified by sixty or by a thousand. It, 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 if if there's any chametz, it's a doubt even. And number two is, and this is a very important point: the boy is not planning to eat it after Pesach. He wants to keep it. When did the sages? Why did the sages make such a thing that premeditated ownlessness shouldn't work? Because they're afraid that people are going to do it, and then they're going to take back the chametz because they want to use it. And therefore, the sages are enacted, you, you cannot take pleasure from it. The boys are looking to use it anyway. So this is not going to be a slippery slope that people are going to abuse the ownerless method for the sake of using chumas. He doesn't want to use it. He wants to just keep it. So bottom line from this whole back and forth, we're left with both question one and question two. To recap question one, why didn't they sell it? And someone would say, well, it's not a real sale if you really want them back. That only goes according to those who don't believe that it's that it's a complete sale, but the majority and the Alter Rebbe is with them. That holds that it's a complete sale. It doesn't matter what your thoughts are. You sold it, you sold it. You can have full intention to buy it back. It counts because it's sold. If it's a real sale, it's nothing symbolic about it. So why didn't they sell it? And question two, why didn't they declare it ownerless? And have the boy place it somewhere, you know, uh, outside Labavitch, you know, among the trees, it's in a public space, and then go back and get it later. And this is, and because it's not in the home, it does not come under the clause of our sages that say that declaring it ownerless isn't sufficient because it's not in your in your in your domain. So we don't have one of these two fears that maybe it's not wholehearted or he might come across. And it also doesn't come under the clause of our sages that ownerlessness doesn't work if it's premeditated to take it back because they don't want people to use that loophole. But here, first of all, it's not actual chametz. It's just a tiny bit and maybe not even. And the purpose here is not to use it. The purpose is later to keep it. And therefore, it should not go under that clause. So we're back. Question one and two stand. The Rebbe parenthetically, actually parenthetically, proposes that maybe the whole thing here blown out of the water for a side problem. That what? Halacha says that a child, a minor, he can acquire, but he cannot convey ownership. That's the halacha. If you give, for example, a gift to a child, even though a child is a minor, so he doesn't really have legal standing. But halacha enacted that a child is kind of, he can acquire, because they were I believe it's because Dar Shalom, they didn't want people should fight. So if you take give something to a child, you sell it to a child or, or gift it to the child, technically, if it doesn't belong to him because he's a child and cannot actualize acquisition, so everybody's going to come and schlep it from him. He's going to be fighting. The kid's going to fight back. And therefore, the Chachamim enacted that he could acquire. If he has it, it's his. Don't touch it. But he does not have the power, being that he's a minor, he doesn't have a legal a, a standing in halacha. And therefore, he cannot convey ownership. He cannot grant ownership. And that would answer both questions one and two. The boy owns the candies. He can't sell it, and he can't declare it ownerless. He can't convey. And therefore, the only thing he can do is eat it. 
Says the Rebbe, but that's not the case. Because when does a halacha say that if a child owns something, it's his, and therefore it has the limitation that it can only acquire and not and not convey. If that child is an independent, he's financially on his own. In those days, people could be a minor and, the, and, and not be dependent on papa. However, if the child is dependent on his father for his livelihood, living under his father's roof and his father's paying all the bills, halacha says he actually owns nothing. Whatever he owns is owned by his father. And therefore, and therefore, the responsibility would just go back to the father of the boy, the Rebbe Marash, the adult. And therefore, yes, there isn't an issue. He could convey ownership either by selling it or by declaring it ownerless. So we are left, as we leave this screen, we're left with both questions one and two. Comes along the Rebbe. These are strong halakha questions. There's, there's, there's two halakhic ways to save this candy for the kid, for the future Rebbe. And it wasn't done. Which obviously he wasn't happy about it. He didn't want to eat it. He wanted to hold it for the rest of his life, right? It wasn't done. Why not? After the whole back and forth, there's two halakhic ways to do this. Sell it or declare it ownerless. So the Rebbe says, the answer is a chsidisha answer. The answer is because it's this disrespectful of his Rebbe. It's disrespectful of his Rebbe. Your Rebbe gave you something and you sell it to a non-Jew. How could you do that? The Rebbe is celebrating this answer. Parenthetically, there's discussions among people learning the sicha, why this is called the sicha of Bo Yutshvat. It's not about Yutshvat. It's about Parsha's boy. What's the connection to Parsha's boy? Because the idea of, of getting rid of the comets, and also the Rebbe says the idea of education, you should tell it to your child. And that's what the Sikh is about. But why is it called boy Yutshvat? What's the connection to Yutshvat? It's not about the Friedrich Rebbe, it's about the Rebbe Rasham. So apparently Hasidim are saying that that's because the theme of the Sikh is the theme of Yutshvat, namely the Hasid-Rebbe relationship. That according to halacha, so to speak, that Samak Tzedek is teaching this little boy that even though halachically there's various ways for you to get around this, you're not going to do it. Because a yid, a chassid, does not disrespect his rebbe. So this is a hiskashus message. It's a yutshvat message, therefore. So that's ultimately the answer. You don't sell it. That's going to really be the same answer in the next screen why you don't Make it hefker, why you don't just make it free for all? How could you make your chametz free for all? It's the, it, it, you get you got it from your rebbe. How could you make it belong to an anju or to nobody? It's disrespectful. So that ultimately is the answer. But here the rebbe goes into a fantastic hakira, fantastic thought process based on the teachings of the Ragachover, genius. Um. And the Rebbe says, in addition to the fact that it's disrespectful, another piece of that is that the holiness will no longer hold. If I if I have a piece of candy which a Rebbe gave, it's holy. Rebbe, Malach, Machol, whatever it might be. 
And now I sell it to the guy. The guy now owns it. What makes it a holy thing? Because it was owned by the Rebbe. Now that it's owned by the guy, the holiness is gone. So this is an addition. This is even to add the you know emphasis. Obviously, it's disrespectful. Plus, it's not going to work. After Pesach, you buy back the candy. It's no longer the Rebbe's candy. Because God forbid to say that Rebbe owned that candy on Pesach in any which way. So therefore, the holiness is gone. And here's where the Rebbe goes into a fantastic hakira of two ways to look and to decide, will there be a possibility that when the candy is bought back after Pesach, it still does hold the holiness of the Rebbe or not? So the Rebbe says that Agachavar, genius, Agachavar going with the Rebbe corresponded with and, and brought down so many times in the Sikhs, the Rebbe celebrated his way of learning Torah. He says there's two views on the Chametz prohibition. One is that it's about form, and one is about the essence. I have a piece of bread. What is prohibited? The form, the fact that it's bread, and I can be used to eat and to uh, as Chametz, or just the very existence of it. Beyond the fact that it's bread, the fact that the form of it, the use of it, the very existence of it is problematic. Now, how do you differentiate between these two things. I got a piece of bread. If you're like me, maybe seven layer cake, whatever it is. What's the difference between the bread's form and use and its existence? They're one and the same. So what is the chakira? What is the dogged shover here trying to split the hairs? So I want to give a plain practical example. If I have chametz in a product that's not edible, I have chametz in my shampoo or my nail polish or what have you. But it's chametz. There's alcoholic processes which deem it chametz. The halacha is that if that was the case before Pesach started, it's not a problem. I can have it in my home and I can use it. But it's chametz. So the Raghachavi would say it depends on which approach you say. If you say that the Torah said that you're not allowed to have chametz and use it, because it's the chametz, because it's the leavened bread, it's edible. This is not edible. You can't even feed it to a dog. That's the proof. That's the deck. That's the the line. That's the the, the the red line. If it's not edible to a dog before Pesach came in, as your shoe polish, as your nail polish, as your shampoo might not be, it's no longer an issue because the prohibition of the Tana is not to have chametz that's edible. Because chametz means bread, food. But if it's shampoo, but if it's but if it's nail polish, it, it doesn't have the prohibition of chametz because according to this side of the uh, of the analysis of the chakira, the prohibition is on the usage. Or says the Ragged Chavar, there could be an approach that the Torah so despises chametz and whatever it represents, that the actual essence of the existence, that even though of this chametz, this alcohol, whatever processes in the nail polish, was brought to a place where it's no longer edible, even for a dog, so what? It's still chametz. So this is the two sides of the Chakira. Which one is it? And the Ragged gives examples, that ever brings examples of what might be the difference between these two sides in halacha. One is, for example, chametz after Pesach. God forbid a yid kept chametz by accident, not by accident. It was in his possession over Pesach. Is it now treif after Pesach and prohibited to use or benefit from or not? 
So we go into these two sides. If we hold that chametz's prohibition is the form and the usage because it's chametzdik, after Pesach, it's no longer chametzdik. There is no halachic legal uh, uh, definition of something being chametzdik after Pesach because after Pesach, chametz is not a problem. And therefore, even though the guy did a mistake or a sin by keeping the chametz in his possession and he has to do tshuva or what have you, but now Pesach is over. This is not chametz, this is kosher food. Bread after Pesach doesn't have the status of chametz. However, if we go by the side of the chakira of the ragachavar, of the side of the analysis, that when the Torah says this is treif, it's to its core, it's not about its, its, its form and its usage. This is chametz that was here in my house on Pesach. It now became treif and it no longer can ever become kosher. I don't care that Pesach passed and now you're allowed to eat bread. It's, it's a piece of treif. Very similar to the nail polish. That you took chametz, alcohol, which is chametz, and it's made from grain or what have you, and now you made it inedible. So what? According to that side of the of the analysis, you could do whatever you want with it. It's it's essentially trade. So that would be similar to the debate, and there's a debate in the Talmud, there's two opinions, Rab Shimon and Rabbi Yehud, and Rab Shimon says it's kosher after Pesach, the chametz, which a Jew owned on Pesach. Rabbi Huda says it's not culture after Pesach, and the Raghat Shavar says that's the two sides of those of, of that machlekes, of that debate. Another application of that debate could be the Talmudic, the famous Talmudic debate, which is also in last week's Sikha. How you get rid of Hametz? We know there's a there's a mitzvah, a rabbinic mitzvah to get rid of the Hametz and get rid from the house. Do you have to? Burn it, or you could just get rid of it, crumble it, and throw it into the sea. The sages say you could crumble it and cast it. The seed of Yehuda, he's again the same sage that is saying uh, uh, the unkosher in the prior debate. So he's consistent. He says you must burn it. There's no, you're not doing the mitzvah unless you burn it. So here too, the Ragachava would say it's the two sides of the debate. If it's about form and usage, if you crumble it and throw it to the sea, there's no way you can use it. It's no longer usable. No longer has the form of bread. Ah, it still exists somewhere in, in, out there in, in essence, but it's not usable. And therefore, there's no prohibition. But if you hold it, it's essentially problematic. You need to burn it and make it disappear in its core essence. Based on this, says the Rebbe, now that we have this debate of the Ragacharva, the two sides of looking at Khamets. We can say, so let's say I got chametz from a tzaddik, or in the case of the candies, he got the candies from the tzemach tzaddik. And obviously, because they were owned by the tzemach tzaddik, they're holy, which is why he doesn't want to discard it. What would happen if he sold it to the guy? And after Pesach, the guy sells it back. Is there any holiness left in those candies? It's a fantastic thought process. Remember, holiness comes from ownership. He transmitted transfer ownership from the yid to the guy. And then the guy gives it back. The ownership is, is gone. So the Rebbe says that might depend on this debate, on this uh, analysis. If we hold that the prohibition of chametz is only on the form. So when you, right, what's prohibited? The edibility of chametz, if you will, the usage of chametz. So when I sell it to the guy, one might argue I don't sell the actual candy. I sell the usage. 
but there's still the actual essence of it, which is still in the ownership of the Rebbe. One might argue, because in this way of thinking, there's no concept of chametz being essentially trafe. Case in point, the nail polish. Case in point, chametz after Pesach. The only thing that's trafe about chametz is its usage. So I'm, what am I selling to the guy? That which is trafe. So I'm selling to the guy the usage of the candy. That now I'm allowed to eat it. The guy owns its usage. But he doesn't own the actual thing. There's still a space, the essence of the existence, which is not sold away. Why should I sell it? It belongs to me. It belongs to the Rebbe. And therefore, the holiness can have a place to hang its hat. Whereas if I say, like the second side of the rugged Chavar's analysis, that what, that the chametz, the prohibition, is on the actual essence of the thing, when I sell it, I sell it totally and completely, and in which case, the holiness is washed off completely, and it would be impossible to sell it. Says the Rebbe, which side is the halacha? We know the halacha is, according to this column, that the prohibition of chametz is its usage and its form, and it's not about the core essence. And that's why the halacha is that you don't must burn chametz. You can just get rid of it, even though the minig, the custom is that we burn it. But it's not an absolute requirement. And similarly, the fact that chametz after Pesach is not considered usable in halacha is a rabbinic enactment to punish you. But it's not unkosher like Rabbi Yehuda would have it because it's actually treif. It's not. That's the halach. So therefore, since we know Jewish law takes this side of the analysis, that the whole thing of chametz is only in the form, and therefore, they could have sold the candies and it would still remain holy, as we just said before. Because again, if you hold that the chametz aspect, the prohibition, which is the thing that you sell to the guy, is only the form and the usage, but the essence is not affected by the prohibition of chametz. So the essence is the place where the holiness will hold, will hang its hat. It's still there. And therefore sell it to the guy, buy it back, it's still holy. But the Rebbe says, this is here, the Rebbe, a lot of the sikh is based on the opinions of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe says selling chametz is complete. And he's he's in good company with the majority of the post scheme, that it's an actual total sale, but he adds to it, it's done with an Arab Kablan, with a guarantor, it's a real deal. It's a sale. There's nothing, it, it, there's almost like nothing halachic about it. It's total. It's not in theory. It's not, a. It's not a, as we said at the beginning of the Sikha, that those who hold it's not a complete sale, it can only be done once you already made it ownerless, and it can only be done with chametz, it's rabbinic. But the Altarebbe and those who go along with him say, this is a real sale, you don't own it, it's not yours. If you look at the footnotes, that would mean that the non-Jew can resell it, etc., etc. And if that's the case, sale means sale. This whole business of the Raghachavar's analysis of taking apart, if it's the form of the chametz that's prohibited by Torah, or the essence, that's a chametz discussion. It's not a monetary discussion. It's fantastic that it ever splits this. It's a isr v'heter, it's a prohibition discussion. And there you can take it apart and say, well, not the actual, but only the form, the usage of what the Torah prohibited. And in fact, the Rogat Halacha leans to that side. But when the Altarebbe and his Paiskim who say that Mechidah's Chametz is Mechidah Gemurah, but out of Kabbalah, selling a Chametz is an absolute sale. 
It's a deal. It's not Yoyin Adeya. It's not the laws of kosher. It's Cheshim Mishpat, so to speak. It's the laws of, of transaction. It's sold. And therefore, there's no part of the candy that's still owned by the Yid. And there's absolutely no place for the holiness to hold its hat. And therefore, this is another reason why there's no point in selling the Chamas to the guy. Because when it would come back, these candies would no longer have any holiness of the Tzemech Tzedek. So this becomes the answer. It's one answer, but the Rebbe makes it into two points. It's disrespectful. You don't sell chametz to a guy that belongs to a Rebbe. You don't take something that's holy from a Rebbe and, and give it to the ownership of a guy. He brings in a footnote, the famous story of the Alta Rebbe, that when he wanted to do Kiddush Levana on the boat and the non-Jew was willing to stop the boat, he asked Alta Rebbe for a bracha, and he gave him a bracha for Arichas Yomim. And he asked for him in writing, and he wrote it in writing and gave it to him. And he writes in the footnote that the Friedrich Rebbe says that this is one of the miracles of, uh, of the of omnipotent God, that the Ksaviyah, that the handwriting of the Alter Rebbe can be in the hands of a Gentile, which is extraordinary language. So we understand, and similarly to take candies, a Kedusha, take something that belonged to a Rebbe, you can't give it to a Gentile. This is a chassidish sicha. This is why it's perhaps why it's yud shvat sicha. This is not halacha. Halachically, we said there's a couple of ways to deal with this. But for a chassid, this is part of Yiddish guy. What do you mean? That a Rebbe gave you a candy and you give it to a non-Jew? It's impossible. Plus, the Rebbe adds this whole sweet pilpul here to show that it wouldn't even work. Because when you got it back, there's nothing left of the Kedusha. I want to suggest, how is it that this was done in other circles? As we said, beginning of the Sikha, the Rebbe brings it down in footnote number seven, that there were great tzaddikim and chassidic courts where it was done. The Rebbe addresses it here again in, in footnote 53. He says it's different, but he doesn't say why. I'm wondering if one could say that maybe they did not go according to the Alter Rebbe's method of selling chametz. I don't know. I'm not sure why they weren't worried about the disrespect. Maybe they didn't feel that type of connection to the disrespect. But also, if one would argue, this is just a, a, a potential conversation. I'm, I'm not saying this with authority. That if they don't go according to the Alter Rebbe's opinion, and therefore Mechidus Chametz may not be total and complete, So then, if you sell it, it still has the holiness. And maybe, perhaps, that's why it's not disrespectful also. Because you didn't really sell it. You sold its use. You sold its use. It brings down from some of the great Hasidic pilot that they did it. If you don't hold that, Bechidus Chametz is total. So what are you selling? You're selling prohibition. It's not a law in Cheshav Mishpat, in the monetary section of Torah. It's a law in the Yeruday day in the laws of kosher of Torah. She only sold the prohibition. You didn't sell the actual. In that case, they used to get breads from the Rebbe's tish. She used to have the 12 breads, like in the Beis Hamikdash, different customs, the Pelish of Rebelach. And he didn't want to give it away. So, so he sold it to the guy, but he didn't sell the actual thing. He sold the Chambets, which is only in the form. And perhaps that would not be disrespectful if you hold like that. And perhaps the holiness is still there after after a Pesach. 
I'm suggesting that this is why the Rebbe puts these two answers together. Seemingly, the two answers: one is disrespect, and one is the holiness isn't there. But perhaps they're connected. If you don't, if you don't go by the Alter Rebbe's concept that it's an actual complete sale, if you go by Alter Rebbe's concept, it's complete sale. It's totally disrespectful. You gave the whole thing to the guy. Plus, the holiness is not going to be there after Pesach. But if you don't hold, which may have been the opinions of these other Hasidic courts, Mechiris Chamesh is more symbolic, then it's not disrespectful and the holiness remains because you're not really selling the object. You're just selling its usage. Okay. Now, so let's apply the same thinking now to why you can't declare it onerous because it's considered disrespectful also. The same, the same answer. Two, the Rebbe goes into a, a Chakira of the Ragachavar, which the Ragachavar presents two ways of looking at the concept in Torah of Hefker, where something is declared onerous. I can declare something onerous, and it doesn't belong to me anymore. The question is who does it belong to? Does it belong to no one or everyone? And the Rebbe Chavar says there's two ways to look at this, and he brings down a halachic uh, difference. There's a halacha that what that that if someone fills water from a public well on Yantif, and he's filling it for someone else, let's say they're out there in the middle of the field. That's why it has to be Yantif because it's Shabbos. You have a problem; you can't really carry it. Let's call it. But even on Yantif, there's a limitation. You can only go to two thousand cubits from wherever you pitched your tent. We're assuming you're not in the city. If you're in a city, you can go 2,000 cubits outside the edges of the city. Let's assume they're not in the city, in the middle of nowhere. So there's a whole discussion in halacha. Because halacha says, just like I'm not allowed to go beyond my 2,000 cubits of from where I pitched my, my Shabbos when Shabbos came in. Also, those things that belong to me, they have the same restrictions. They can go to the same place that I'm allowed to go. My stuff goes with me. Now, what happens here if Ruvain, let's say he parked his tent on one side of the camp and Shimon on the other side of the camp. And Ruvain was a nice guy and he, and he fetched some water from the well for Shimon. Now the issue is on Yantif, according to whose limitations does that water go? The water was drawn by Ruvain for the sake of Shimon. Could it go by Ruvain's? Tchum Shabbos, Tchum Yomtev, as it were. Reuven's 2,000 uh, cubits all around a Shimon's. Let's assume they're on two sides of the camp. It may be very different. So the so the Chavar would say it depends. If we say that the, that that uh, this is a public well, it's Hefker. It's onerous. If onerous means it belongs to no one. So... Shimon doesn't own it, Reuven doesn't own it. When Reuven takes the water, even though he has in mind to do it for Shimon, but right now it's his, and therefore it goes by his Tchum uh, Shabbos limitations. Whereas if you hold that when something is onerous, it automatically belongs to everyone, so it belongs to Shimon too. When Reuven draws it for the sake of Shimon, it's actually Shimon's, and therefore it goes by Shimon's limitations because it's Shimon's stuff. So this is just an interesting debate in and of itself. How does Torah view the concept of ownerlessness of, of Hefka? Says the Rebbe, either which way you go in this in this Hakira, it makes sense that they would not take the Rebbe's candies and, the, and, and proclaim them ownerless. 
if it belongs to no one, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. You're giving it away to no one. That's terrible. And if it belongs to everyone, that's even worse. It belongs to every Gentile in the world. It belongs to everyone, which means it belongs to every Gentile. It doesn't belong to any Yid, because no Yid is going to want to own comments of Pesach. So you now gave it to every guy. This is terrible because included there is many, many Goyim that are not Hasidi Umusailam, they're not righteous Gentiles. They could be terrible people. If you sell it to at least one guy, no, so you chose probably a good guy. If it's somebody that's, that's doing it for the sake of the year, he's probably Hasidi Umusailam, a righteous person. But if you're making it ownerless and you say that ownerlessness means it belongs to every single person in the world, it belongs to every Gentile. That's a big problem. That would be very, very disrespectful, and therefore, that was not done either. And the Rebbe finishes with a takeaway, which which is that the, how important it is to give a proper chinuch to our children, and not just when it comes to matters of halacha. This is beyond the law. This was about a chassidish anhaga that something from the Rebbe is holy, and you can't disrespect it. And even though we're talking about a little child, who really wanted these candles? And one could argue, you know, it would have been better for him to keep it. You don't have to tell him the whole halachic problem. That really the holiness is not there and whatever else. Um, he's a kid. He wants these candies. They make him feel good. They remind him of the day he went to Cheder and he got him from Malach Machal. It's going to inspire him. It's going to feel good. The fact that it's not good in essence, no, he's a kid. No. Chinuch, the Rebbe says, has to be truthful. And it has to include all of the truths even um, of Chassidus. And I believe that this last section, chapter 11, Yud Aleph, is very loaded. And he finishes the Sikha that this empowers us to walk in the ways of Arabeim, which is a language that's used in the Geras HaKadosh, chapter 27, Simen Chavzai and Simen Zach, which speaks about how to deal with the fact that there's a stalkus of the Rebbe, quoting, because the body follows the head, and we follow his ways in his we follow his ways forever. Like, why is this here? This is clear that this makes it a yud shvat sicha. Because that's that's what a chassid would learn on yud shvat. Um, as per the Rebbe's minik, that on yud shvat we should read and learn that simon. Today we do it on Gibel Thomas, because that's the theme of yud shvat, that the Rebbe is with us forever, and therefore that becomes really the bottom line message to tell our children, to tell ourselves that this Rebbe thing is real and it's it's just as real to us as halacha and it doesn't matter if I'm dealing with a little child and I'm giving him the whole truth and the whole beauty of that relationship.